Hey everyone, it's your host of See Jurassic Right, Stephen Ray Morris here, just dropping in to say, I hope you've been enjoying all the new episodes in 2023 and 2024 so far. There are new interviews with filmmakers, musicians, scientists, the screenwriter of Land Before Time, audio essays about the rich history of the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World franchise, and all the news about the upcoming animated show Jurassic World Chaos Theory and the as-of-yet untitled Jurassic World sequel coming next summer. I really need your help supporting the show right now, and you can do that by leaving a tip and or giving a monthly follow on Patreon, patreon.com slash There are $1 and $5 tiers, but more is coming. Sharing the show, giving five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts, and liking and commenting on social, at Stephen Ray Morris on Instagram and Twitter, goes a long way to help boosting the show's visibility again online in this new era. I'm an independent podcaster and your support is so important and means the world to me in keeping this podcast running. Link to the Patreon is in the show notes. Hold on to your butts. Thank you. And now on to the show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This is year 1997, month. October through November, crossed off, I guess August. I guess you changed your mind and you, you decided it was August. Site C, that's the location. Hammond's Other Secret. Working title, Dinosaur Catastrophe. Crossed off with, which, with much fervor in pencil. It's now called Prologue. Attacking of a Spinosaur. Two hikers, Johnny and Mike, were hiking on an island. Isle Janara. While there were hiking, Mike heard a noise. Mike said, What the heck is that? John said, I'll go see. This is already a strong beginning. Johnny was walking the jungle when he saw with a weird creature with a sail on it. And then he realized it was a dinosaur because at home his son was a dinosaur whiz. But that wasn't important right now. He started to run, but it was too late. He felt as his back was snaping in half. I think that's snapping. Snapping his half. He squirmed. He screamed. Then blackness. Mike heard him scream too, but then a growl. So Mike ran away and went back to his boat and sped off. I like that you spelled boat B-O-E-T. A boe. He went back to his boe and he sped off.
welcome to See Jurassic Right, an episode 10 of Fan Fiction Friday, where you get to hear some of my favorite friends and performers read aloud my Jurassic Park fan fiction I wrote when I was 10 years old. Jurassic Park, Hammond's Other Secret, written in 1997, already looks to be and was a mishmash of the first two movies. Of course, 10-year-old Steven would make a third island. For this final episode, I thought it would be fun to put all 39 chapters together into one epic episode for you to enjoy. Yeah, it's going to be fun. So, Allie Ward, with a previously unheard passage. Simon Nathan, Luce Tomlin-Brenner, Omar Najam, Christine Lakin, Stephanie Cook, Jackie Johnson, Caitlin Hebstead, and Mary Holland. These nine amazingly talented friends indulge me in exploring my childhood brain, and I'm extremely grateful for their time and yours as well. Stick around afterward for some post-fanfiction thoughts and where the future may lay for this segment. And I also read some other Jurassic Park fanfiction that I found laying around. But first, let's relive the adventure one last time. Chapter 1, The Letter. It was hot, Sattler thought, digging a dinosaur. She thought it was a species of Carnosaurus, young one though. Then one of her students shouted to her, You got mail. Definitely the era of AOL. <laughs> like, just make sure your nightstand has like so many like AOL free minutes CDs. Okay. I'm sorry. Then one of her students shouted to her, you got mail. She went to her trailer and to open the letter. It said, dear Ellie, hi again. It me, Tim. Remember, I just wanted to say that my grandpa needs you again at the helicopter station to take you to his apartment. Alan and the others will be there. By the way, I'm 18 now. Your friend, Tim. Oh, hey, legal. She set the letter down. One of her colleges came in. What is it, he asked. She said, tell the rest that I'll be gone for a couple of days. Okay, he said. And that what happened to the rest there was a letter to Dr. Grant. Did I say that right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Your penmanship, by the way, impeccable. Grammar, still a little green. Penmanship, impeccable. Okay. Ian Malcolm, Sarah Harding, Nick Van Owen, and Henry Perf. But the news was busy doing vehicle work for for the trip. Did I say that right? This is like some scat poetry. (laughs) This is amazing. (laughs) Okay. But he was busy doing vehicle work for the trip. Chapter two, meeting. At the apartment, everybody was there. Hammond said, sit down, sit down. I'll get to the point. And then Ian interrupted. Is it about dinosaurs? Because I'm sick of dinosaurs. Well, Hammond said, kind of. I'll tell you. Some farmers say they've seen a small creature like compies. I want you to check it out, but it's probably nothing. But I want you to make sure. You could leave now, except you, Ian. I'm worried if there really are dinosaurs, I want to destroy them. Finally, you're seeing my point of view. By the way, where did they see them? Off the co- coast of Isla Gunara, Site C. What Ian said amazed Hammond, said we had a... Th- third island which had dinosaurs that we saved until the visitors got tired 
of our old batch of dinosaurs. Got it. Okay. Some dinosaurs at the island are different, like Carnosaurus, Spinosaurus, Chasmosaurus, and Quasilacalstus. Of course, most are probably dead, but just check the islands around them. By the way, your plane leaves tomorrow, so start packing. Chapter 3. Info. That was the end of the tape, thought Joss Jackson. His real name is Josh, but he likes to be called Joss. He was going to follow Ian, but he had business to discuss with Roland Tembo, his boss and old friend from hunting quarries. So he drove to McDonald's. That's where he always had his meetings. He pulled up in his Jeep and he saw, also saw, Sergeant Michael McClay, who went to one of the islands with the dinos. He went inside. Hi, said Roland. You got the papers? Yes, Jaws said. Let's get down to business, said Jaws. Opening files. First, Alan Grant, scientist at National Museum of Dinosaurs, now lives in Washington, D.C. Next, Ellie Sadler, paleolinguistic in Wyoming, Wyoming, has her own team and teaches other people, has three kids now, and lives in Washington, D.C. Pelotelingist in Wyoming. I'm getting business cards made up. Tim Murphy is in LA's digging group, but went to Colorado for a dig up of Ultrasaurus. Nick Van Owen, computer specialist and video documentarian, is now in California photoing movie stars. And Sarah Harding, who still does lectures on dinosaur behavior and young. Is that all, said Roland? Yep, said Jaws. Well, that's not good enough. I want to know the island, said Roland. Ow, that's easy. Isla Genara, said Jaws. Okay, so you get a hunting team, Jaws, and you might get the vehicles and weapons. Okay, said Mike. Meet me at the supplies air station in 96 hours. Then they left. Does that say 16 or 96? That's a lot of hours. 96 hours? Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. In 96 hours. Chapter 4. Vehicles. I would like to interject the vehicles spelled V-H-E-I-L-E-C-L-E-S. It's like Vela Keys. Chapter 4. Vela Keys. Sparks, whoa, sparks flew everywhere as workers were fixing and painting on their brand new exploration land Velocles. Tinkering noises here and there. Henry Perf, head of the operation, was shouting at every worker. Jeff, do it right. We'll, well, no, no. Put it crosswise. Ow. Hi. Hi, Ian. Sarah, Nick, Ellie, Tim. How are you doing? Just fine, they said. I wish we had more time, though, to test these things. Dad, someone shouted. It was Kelly, Ian's 16-year-old daughter, who said, Can I come too? Well, Ian said, All right. I bet we won't even see dinos. Really? Then Henry interrupted. Come on, we got a plane to catch. We'll meet Hammond and Grant at the airport. Chapter 5. Departure. You sure you sent the tickets? 
Yes, said Henry. Well, okay, said the teller. Take Bay 248. The plane will arrive soon. I also like that in 1997, like, you actually needed the tickets. Like, you couldn't just be like, I'll pull it up on my pocket computer. You needed the tickets. This is some vintage shit right here. as the plane was lifting off. He hated planes, thought Dr. Grant. What happened to using carts, he thought. They were going to an island, probably without seeing anything, but cows and other animals. He felt tired. Then the loudspeaker came on and said, we will have movie time now. With movies like Tin Cup, Star Wars, Hoodlum, and Independence Day. Alan decided to watch Tin Cup. He pressed the button to turn it on, but it was interrupted by the speaker. We will be airing in two and a half hours. The movie turned back on, but after 30 minutes, he fell asleep. Chapter 7. Crash. Alan woke up to loud alarm noise. Ellie ran up to and said that the airplane engine blew up. And we're going to hit the mountain. Then there was a loud explosant. <laughs> oh no! Explosant! Then there was a loud explosant. Alan hit his head. Then, blackness. Accident. Roland Timboy asked Jaws Johnson, Were Mike was Jaws? We're about to answer. When Mike came, he said the plane. <laughs> you very smart boy, Stephen. This is very good. That had the vehicles spelled V-H-E-I-L-E-C-L-E-S Fake... <laughs> Vehicles, he said the plane. <laughs> no, he didn't, sorry. <laughs> that had the vehicles and weapons crashed over tornado and storms. Well, Roland said, Audemars vehicles. Spelled differently this time. Veil Eccles. No one do said, make no orders, until a couple of weeks. The darn said, what does this say? Until a couple of weeks. No. Darn. Okay, cool. I had it right. Until a couple of weeks, Darn said. Roland, while Jaws call off expedish, uh, expedition, said, Roland, said Roland, right. Well, Jaws, call off the expedition until we can order those Velikas. <laughs> <laughs> and this is actually spelled differently again. You've gone back to the VH at the beginning. And then you have E-I-L. And then you have E-C-E-S, like feces. Uh, whereas the other one was E-C-L-E-S, vehicles. So this is just veilices. Having more fun than I've ever had in my whole life. Chapter 
Legionara. Alan woke up from someone shaking him. It was one of the workers who went with them. He said, Dr. Grant, we crashed on Isla Genera. What Grant said? Shouldn't we be on another island? Yes, no boy died in the crash, but we've discovered something amazing. Real live dinosaurs. Actually, I want to give that a little bit more weight. But we've discovered something amazing. Real live dinosaurs. Alan looked up. He saw a magnificent sight. Smelt like a dig site. Parasodophysis. Spelt correctly. Because you get the dinosaurs spelling right. But not everything else. Pa- Parasodophyses everywhere. Some ceratopsians grazing in the field and Pachyosandoglamimus here. And there it seemed so peaceful. Then Ian, Sarah and Nick came running toward him. Isn't this place cool? Well, Ian said... Oh, sorry. I added Ian because I wanted it to be Ian. Um, Running toward him. Isn't this place cool? Well, Alan said. That's okay. But we better unpack. Oh, yay, said Nick. We only have three cars left. Luckily, there's no damage. Let's go find the campsite. After, with the help of Henry, they got dinner ready... Or you go straight into the 10th chapter with no gap because you couldn't even wait. You were so excited. Okay, chapter 10. Parano attack. So what's happened here is that Stephen's actually written himself into the story and he's kind of written himself as like an extra but also like an essential side character. Okay, so let's see what happens. I remember reading for this for the first time. Chapter 10. Parano attack. A Stephen. Brackets. One of the workers. In brackets. Wanted to go on a walk, so he left the campsite. This place gives me the creeps, thought Steve. Then he heard a noise, a growl, then a roar. He started to run. He recognised that noise back when he worked on Isla Nublar. It was a Carnotaurus. Suddenly, he fell head over heels, tossing and hitlering rocks. <laughs> anything in his path then he hit the ground he he thought he broke his arm he he tested it up he said broken but he decided to climb he ran to get to help uh i guess ran right he ran to get help when he climbed to the top he saw no sign of the carno then his hand hurt real bad he looked at his hand and there was a He looked at his hand, and there was a carno holding his hand. <laughs> I'm screaming. <laughs> no, I have to stop. Why? Would it? Okay. And then he looked at his hand, and there was a carno holding his hand in its mouth. Stephen screamed and ran, but the carno held on tight, so tight, it ripped his hand off. Stephen said... Oh no, Stephen screamed again and ran as fast as he could. But he tripped on a rock and fell on his back. He scrambled on the ground, but it was too late. The Kano picked him up, but didn't crush him. Then he realized 
He had a grenade in his pocket. He reached for it and grabbed it. But before he could pull the pin, the counter ripped his broken arm off. He howled in pain, but he managed to get out of its mouth. He ran. He hit a rock. It started a landslide. Rocks kept hitting him. Then one rock hit hit him in the head. That last thing he saw was the Kano coming toward him. Then he lost consciousness. <laughs> then he lost consciousness. Chapter 11 Cliff Henry heard a roar and bones crunching, realized that that was Steve. So did the others. Then Hammond spoke up. We gotta move our team to higher ground. Let's pack up. I saw a mountain back that way. This is insane. Don't these people know that there could be other dinosaurs in the mountains? Thought Ian. We're here. We're here. Um, we're here something Hammond <laughs> uh, announced. That makes sense for a child to write it like that. We're here, announced Hammond. Then Kelly said, Ew, what's that smell? Yeah, what's that horrible stench? Shouted Nick. It must be the bird's nest, said Hammond. Bird's nest, said Jacob. Let's all go check it out. <laughs> yes, it's the bird's nest. Let's check it out. Um, then he pulls out an assault rifle. Wow, that sounds, that seems... Like a really vicious next up. Hey, where? Oh, Grant agrees. Hey, where'd you get that? Said Grant. I brought it along just in case, said Jake. Come on. Come with me. Only Dr. Grant, Nick, and Sarah came along. Well, yeah, he has an assault rifle. Makes sense. As they got closer, the smell got worse. Just when the smell was unbearable, the wind picked up and blew the smell away. Oh, thanks, wind, thought Sarah. What's that? said Nick, looking at a big shed. <laughs> the smell issue's over, and now the shed is the situation. Dr. Grant read an old rusted sign that said hang glider shed. Wow, said Sarah. She called Jake, but he was nowhere to be seen. But Nick said he went on towards the nest, but let's go check out the shed. <laughs> When they, got in the sh when they got inside, along the walls, three hang gliders blew with a rocket launcher and a MIDI computer. Damn. Also, there were smart, um, smart, smart missile backpack launchers, which was supposed to explode an animal's nervous system. Oh my God, Stephen, that's so dark. Nice, said Sarah, grabbing a missile launcher. Wait, said Nick as he turned on his walkie-talkie and called Ian. Ian said, Nick, bring the Jeep over here. Okay, said Ian. Five minutes later, Ian walked towards the shed. Nick came out. So what's up, said Ian. We need you to carry these back to base camp. After they had put the missile launchers away, the Jeep drove away. Suddenly they heard screeching and screaming. <laughs> Chapter 12, uh, Pterodons. Nick had no time to think. He grabbed a hang glider and then shouted, Get a hang glider on! Okay, 
they shouted. They all ran out the door and ran until they saw them paradons, which one of them grabbed Jake and was flying away, and they all jumped off the cliff, and then Grant said, how do you turn it on? And then his hand glider had not yet spread its wings, but he pushed the red button. Push the red button! Push the red button, said Sarah. He did, and they glided towards the big birds. Then Nick shouted, turn on your engines! They did, and went faster. Now Nick said, again, fire your missiles! Grant shouted, I got one! As the paradon exploded, me too! shouted Sarah. Wait, Sarah, one has the assault rifle. <laughs> the Paradon has the assault rifle, and I think it knows how to use it. She was right, thought Nick. Watch out, people. Bullets flew everywhere, but Sarah wasn't so lucky. Oh, a bunch of bullets hit her engine, and it blew up. She started falling. She hit the cliff. She tumbled into the trees. Sarah, Nick shouted. I'll go get her, said Grant. He went lower with the... With the he went lower until he was out of sight. I'll kill all, thought Nick. He started firing, blowing all the pterodons in sight, except the one with Jake. He grabbed his handgun before he... He grabbed his handgun. He flew right next to the bird and fired at its eye. It fell, but he grabbed Jake, and then he flew back to the camp. Oh, wow. A lot happened in that chapter. <sighs> Chapter 13. Search. When Nick came back, Ian said, Where's Grant and Sarah? Well, Nick said, Sarah crashed, and Grant went looking for her. What? said everybody. We need to make a search team, said Ellie. Only Kelly, Ian, and Tin came. <laughs> I love how each character is like, let's do this, and only a few of them do it. <laughs> uh, Tim uh, came, and they went in the ground tracker and went down the mountain. Okay. Okay, so Ellie, Kelly, Ian, and Tim are in the ground tracker, and they're going down the mountain. Chapter 14, Split. Sarah woke up. Her head hurt. It was banged up, and her right leg was hurt. It was bleeding. She tore a part of her shirt off and tied it around the wound. She got up. She heard a noise, and suddenly she stopped. She knew what it was. It was Alan. He landed not quite well, uh, and he crashed. He said, and he crashed off, he said. Come on, she said. They started walking. He stopped just as a big black glob flew by him. Duck, he said, as some other stuff flew by. What is it? She whispered. Um, Diplodosaurus. Diplodosaurus, said Alan. Come on, get your guns out. They started firing. They killed five. <laughs> the rest ran away, except one who kept spitting. One hit Sarah in the hand. She screamed in pain. Then Alan stood up and fired one bullet in the neck. It fell to the ground. Come on, he said. Let's wash your hand. Okay, said Sarah. Chapter 15, Ram's Heads. The Jeep pulled up in a big field. There were a couple of gallimimuses. Galagmimosis, Pachys, and a herd of stegos. Those are Pachycephalosauruses, aren't they? Uh, said Tim. Watch out, said Ian. Uh, as one 
Packy hit the side of the Jeep. Get your tranquilizer gun, said Kelly. She aimed, fired, it fell to the ground. Then Jake came out of the jungle shouting and firing his gun at the ram's head. One charged. It hit Jake in the stomach. Jake flew in the air, hit a tree, and the tree fell on top of him. Come on, said Ian as they drove into the jungle. Wow. Jake just, does Jake just die and everyone was just like, kind of keep going? Chapter 16. Nest. Sarah said, what is that? As they came up to a big mound. It's a nest, said Helen. Come on, let's check it out, said Sarah. Oh no, said Alan, trying to walk away, but Sarah held onto his shirt. As they climbed, they heard a win. What kind of dino do you think that was? Said Alan. We'll find out soon, said Sarah. When they reached the top, Sarah and Alan were surprised. It's a baby Carnotosaurus. Carnotosaurus? Carnotosaurus, said Sarah. And most of the nest is destroyed because of a landslide. Notice the smell. What smell? said Alan. There is none. So, so said Alan. That means it's an orphan. Let's take care of it, said Sarah. Well, okay, said Alan. They picked it up. Wait, I have an idea, said Sarah. She took out a thin piece of rope, tied it around the Carno's neck, loosely, and another around her hand. A leash, she said. This is too silly, said Alan. Come on, said Sarah. It's hungry. An hour later, they had a fire roasting and a dead Demetrodon, while another dead animal was being eaten by the baby Carno. Chapter 17. Carno. Ian screeched to a stop just in time before he hit a bunch of rocks. Hey, what's that? said Ellie. She saw a black shape in the road. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Stooks in cons, she said. But what is it? It's a female species of Carnotosaurus. And it's dead, said Tim. What killed it? asked Kelly. Apparently it was killed by those boulders, said Tim. Let's go, said Ian. And they drove off in the jungle. Chapter 18. Baby Carno. Grant, Sarah, and the baby Carno were walking in the forest when suddenly a Spinosaurus emerged from the foliage. Run, Sarah said. She ran back to get the baby but she was too slow. The spino closed in on the neck, picked her up by the leg, 
and shook Sarah hard. Then she fell to the ground. Part of her leg was torn off. Then the spino moved in for more. Chapter 19. Hit. Alan was running with the baby Carno when he saw headlights. It's Ian, thought Alan. He stopped and waved. I gotcha, said Ian. He stomped on the brakes. What? said Kelly. The brakes are out, shouted Ian. Alan, move, shouted Ellie. What? Alan shouted, but it was too late. The car slammed into Alan, sending sprawling five feet in the air, sending him sprawling five feet in the air, and hit a tree. The tree was about to fall. Chapter 20. Shot. Sarah reached for her sawed-off shotgun. She fired several shots, but the spino wasn't dead. She dragged herself to the ground with one hand. Then she felt some cold metal. It was a smart missile launcher. She put it on, stood on one leg, and shouted, Hey, Spino, come and eat me. It came closer, and she launched the missile. It hit the stomach. Intestines and guts blew everywhere. The Spino screamed in pain, but it was still alive. It went towards. She loaded to hit another missile and fired. The head exploded. Brains and blood flew everywhere. What was left of the head was on fire. It fell to the ground. Sarah rested on the ground and got out the first aid kit. Chapter 21. Saved by Carno. Ian, Kelly, and Ellie, and Tim watched in horror as the tree got closer to hitting Alan. Then a Carno comes, blocking the tree from falling. And Alan, on Alan... But the carno fell with the tree. Move! shouted Ian. Alan jumped in the ground tracker. Then Tim fired a missile out of the missile launcher in the jeep and hit the tree. It burst into flames. Let's go, said Tim. The fire was right behind them. Head for the river! yelled Kelly. The last thing they saw of the carno was it picking up a baby and going off in the forest as it started to rain. Hammond sat in the jeep, wondering, Where are Ian and the rest? Then Henry came up to him and said, Where are they? Chapter 23 Are they dead? Yet? Ian was driving tensely in the rain. It had been an hour driving. It was really misty and foggy. Suddenly, Ian saw a shadow pass by them. He felt as they were lifting up in the air. He looked the rest were frightened. Not a lot of punctuation in there. Difficult for a cold read. The T-Rexes shook the car hard. Ian hit his head. Suddenly, the car was thrown, 20... thrown... 20 feet in the air. Tim screamed. Ian looked back. Tim was hanging onto the rocket launcher. Jesus, there's a rocket launcher? They hit something hard. Just before he fell on chess, he saw the rest fall out of the ground tracker. Fell on chess? They're on a, they have a chess board in there? <clears throat> anyway. Chapter 24. Sarah. 
Sarah was walking in the forest when she heard a growl and a snarl. She looked through the foliage. She saw three velociraptors attacking a juvenile T-Rex. She worries about it, so she runs into the clearing and shouted, Hey, I killed your mama! The raptors started coming to her. She fired a missile at one of the raptors. Its bottom torso exploded. Guts and blood flew everywhere. One of the raptors ran away. The other stayed. She ran too and grabbed its tail and dragged it. She got out. Sorry, it was like inserted. I had to read little tiny writing. She got out. Her s- Wait. She got out her saw off shotgun and shot it a couple of times and punched it in a tar pit. Before it sank into the ground, it bit her wooden leg that was made out of twigs and ace bands to tape it together and favored it with some cloth. But the raptor snapped the twigs. She fell on the ground. She started to put it back together. After she put it back together, she felt herself getting lifted in the air. She looked down. It was one of the juvenile T-Rex. It smiled at her, and she lets down. Then it walks away. She stares in wonder. Chapter 25 Blood Hammond said, We've got to find them. They drove the land cruiser into a big field. I don't think we should be going in here, said Facundo. Push out, said Henry. As the side seat pushed off the car, Facundo had his gun with him. He saw raptors come toward him. He fired seven shots. Two raptors were down. They hit two raptors. Suddenly, his remote sparked. Oh, man, said Facundo. Then a giant boulder appeared. Pull me in, said Facundo. I can't, said Henry. Take off your seatbelt. I can't, shouted Facundo frantically. All of a sudden, he hit the boulder at 80 miles an hour. Blood flew everywhere, almost covering the whole cruiser. They stopped. All that blood, said Henry. They just kept driving for a long time. Wait, his friend is dead and all Henry has to say is all that blood? And then they just drive away? Gosh, this is so depressing. All right, back to the story. They drove into a big, flat, grassy area. All they saw was Sarupods, Mechanimus, Diplocot, I can't even say these things, Diplodicas, and Brachis. These are all names of very big dinosaurs. They were just lumbering around. One juvenile, Barachia, Saurus, was mad. It was, it just was running around. <laughs> Hammond accidentally pulled the trigger on his, sh- on his gun and shot a bullet. The adult Brocky started running toward their cruiser, and it stepped on the cruiser. Let's move, shouted Henry. They jumped off the cruiser. It was crushed. Then a juvenile Dilapidicus stepped on Henry, Henry's foot. He screamed! Chapter 26 Carla. She was sailing in her speedboat to Isla Janeira. She complained to her servant, I wonder what that husband of mine is doing on this island. I don't know, said the servant, whose name was Matt. We will be arriving soon. Where's the roads? Carla said. 
I believe this is a deserted island. Why would my husband go here? She asked wonderly. I don't know, but we'll find out soon, said Matt. I don't know why Matt has to be like, his name's Matt, but I just, servant, he, I wanted him to sound like he was timid. Okay, anyway. They were walking in the forest when they came into a field. They saw a big boulder and a lot of blood. My husband, Carla shouted. She ran up to a twisted body. It was missing a head. Carla was looking for it when she said, hey, his wallet, she said as she was stuffing it into her pocket. They went back into the forest. Suddenly, two celophysis jumped out of the bushes. Then Matt said, uh, gotta go. He ran away out into the forest. He just like left her there. He just, that's it. He's like, bye. Carla got out her handgun, but before she pulled the trigger, the, cel- the cellos jumped on her. She screamed, ah! She cried as the cello tore her stomach open. Her intestines spilled out. She pulled the trigger of her gun. It hit a cello in the head. It fell to the ground. The other bit her face. She screamed in pain. Part of her face was gone. She ran into a stego hard. She stared the adults. She, start, she startled the adults. They started swinging their tails. I mean, her, her intestines are on the ground. So essentially, she's running around with her intestines on the ground. It's, I just want to just, that's very, I mean, it's unfathomable, but I guess it happens in a lot of, you know, horror movies. Anyway, back to the show. They started swinging their tails. One hit her. The spike went through her. The body was stuck onto the tail. Then, Cumpies jumped on the body. Who's Cumpies? <laughs> then Cumpies jumped on the body. Still, the stego shook hard. The body flew. It hit a tree, and the tree crushed it. Fifty feet away, a T-Rex and her babies were just lying around when a couple of Cumpies flew into the, uh, flew into the nest. The quickie got out and ran away. What the hell's a quickie? Chapter 27. Tim and Kelly. Kelly woke up. I've <laughs> like messed it up. Kelly woke up. She forgot where she was. Then she realized she was on Isla Janara. Janara. Yeah. Okay. She started looking for her father and Ellie and Tim. She found Ellie. She felt Ellie's pulse. She felt nothing. Kelly gasped. She's dead. <laughs> she ran to find her father but she couldn't find him then she saw tim was crumpled in a little corner his head had a big cut on it she tried to wake him up by spitting on him (laughs) why would you spit on him to try to wake him note to self if i want to wake someone up spit on them she tried to wake him up by spitting on him Tim's, what's this one? Oh, we slept, sleep talked, sleep talked. Gotcha. So she tried to wake him up by spinning on him. Tim sleep talked. Not a <laughs> Dilofa? How do you, Dilofa? No, no. Kelly laughed. He woke up. He saw Kelly. He said, Where's Ian, Ellie, and Grant? I think they're all dead, said Kelly in a sad voice. Oh, I don't think that was very sad. <laughs> They went off into the forest. 
They were walking in the forest when somebody jumped out of the bushes. He is somewhat happy to see Tim and Kelly. Oh, thank you, he said. My name is Kelly, and this is Tim. Hi, said Tim. My boss is dead, said the guy. <laughs> By the way, my name is Matt Slavenhu. Slavenhu. <laughs> That's a very interesting name for a 10-year-old. <laughs> said Matt. Let's go and find someone, said Kelly. That's so nonspecific. Let's just go find someone, anybody. <laughs> like, literally anybody else. Uh, all right, so let's go and find someone, said Kelly, as they went into a big rocky area. They saw a shed. Come on, said Matt. Let's check it out. They opened the shed inside. There was three motorcycles in pretty good condition. <laughs> let's go and ride these things and find some civilization. Where's Matt, said Kelly. Just a minute, said Matt. He was putting on a vest and a different pair of pants. <laughs> it says paints, but I like I like to imagine he's wearing painted pants. <laughs> Just painted on. Uh, they started driving into a field with a triceratops in it. Matt said, what does this trigger do? As he pressed it, a dart flew out and hit the triceratops. It fell to the ground. Whoa, said Kelly. Suddenly, almost all of the Triceratops started charging against the motorbikes. Let's move, shouted Tim. They started towards the swamp. Tim and Kelly heard cries. It was Matt. A Triceratops hit his motorbike. Jump, shouted Tim. Matt jumped off into a mud puddle. Triceratops was about to hit him when Tim grabbed Matt dragged him across the ground while riding his motorbike. While Matt was on the ground, he kept hitting rocks and even a cacti. <laughs> I love it. All right, again. While Matt was on the ground, he kept hitting rocks and even a cacti. Ah! Matt crying. <laughs> oh, boy. Suddenly, all the triceratops stopped for some reason. They crashed into the swamp. Then Tim was, Tim was knocked out, and so was Kelly. Matt could barely keep consciousness. And then blackness. Uh-oh. <laughs> Chapter 28. Trailers. Hammond and Henry were walking until they saw a big command base with an air-sealed garage. Come on, let's check out the garage and see if there's a vehicle inside, said Hammond. They broke the door open. Inside, there was a trailer with an, with an accordion. Oh, no, an accordion passage. Henry walked the door. He saw the key. Bingo, Henry said with satisfaction. Hammond came in the trailer and said, does this thing still work? Yes, it does. Henry said. I'll see if there's a way to get out of this garage, Hammond said. Fifteen minutes later, Hammond came back. How did you get the garage open, said Henry. I smashed it open with a... with a tractor. I just want to note that it, like, 
looks like all one word. So it looks like it says attractor. And it's like, well, what's an attractor and how do I use it to punch down doors? <laughs> all right. I smashed it open with a tractor, said Hammond. They drove outside, then parked in front of the command base. They got out and went inside. Wow, said Henry, as he lifted the lid of a box, which contained flares and a rocket launcher. <laughs> Seems legit for a safety kit. <laughs> uh, you know what we could possibly need in this? Definitely flares. And you know what? Even You know what? If there's not room for the flares like and just the rocket launcher, maybe we could take those out, but... You know, it'd be nice if we could fit both of them. <laughs> All right. So, again, it contained flares and a rocket launcher. Let's hope these still work, said Henry. Let's look for more supplies, said Hammond. They also found a grenade launcher. <laughs> what? Your priorities are whack here. Out of whack, Stephen. All right. They also found a grenade launcher, a flamethrower. And a tar gun. What's a tar gun? <laughs> and also an acid bomb and two shock prods. What? <laughs> These are very specific and random weapons for a 10-year-old to be like, I think these would be great in my fanfic. They gathered the stuff and put it in the trailer and then drove away until they came to a guard tower to wait for a herd of Stegosaurus to pass by. They were walking really fast for normal speed, and then two T-Rex burst out of the foliage, chasing the Stegos. <laughs> like your abbreviations. They ran right past the trailers. The Rexes attacked a slow Stego, and they were ripping it apart, eating it hungry. <laughs> wow! Okay. Then some stegos started swinging their tails at the rexes. The rexes, already had scars on their muzzles and side. Then an allosaurus came out of the foliage because of the smell of the flesh. But the rexes wouldn't let let it get the dead stego. Wow. <laughs> it's a circle of love. <laughs> One rex charged at the Allosaurus. It was too late. The rex bit some of the flesh out of the thigh, and then it bit the flesh out of the tail of the Allosaurus. Oh, wait, no. It bit the flesh. <laughs> and then it bit some of the flesh out of the tail. The Allosaurus roars in pain. The rex started chewing on its side, tearing out its ribcage. Wow. It's like... Dinosaur torture porn. <laughs> it's like hostile for dinosaurs. The aloe screamed again. Hammond and Henry couldn't stand. Get the crayon a shot, the Rex, said Hammond. <laughs> then the aloe reached up and bit the eye out of the Rex and tore it out. <laughs> the Rex roared in pain and ran away, but the other didn't it was about it was about to bite the aloe's head off when a missile flew and hit the rex's foot it fell to the ground 
then a then a crayon picked up the aloe and some of the body parts and carried it away. <laughs> we need to fix him, said Hammond. But how? Henry asked. These voices are very inconsistent. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's a dino hospital about half a mile away. Okay, said Henry. Ten minutes later. Now, strap them in and get the metal- medical equipment, said Hammond. Five minutes later. Welp, all we have to do now is put the tail skin back on. <laughs> said Hammond. Three minutes later. We need more morphine, said Henry. I like that that's on their minds. Like, we need to get this dino some morphine. He's in a lot of pain. (laughs) Suddenly, the aloe broke free. It hesitated. Then, licked Henry so hard, he hit the ceiling. I have questions. <laughs> the lick, the licked Hammond, the licked ha- What? There's just one sentence that's just the licked Hammond. <laughs> it's like all it says, the licked Hammond. Hammond. He fell backward. Then the Allosaurus smashed out of the building. All Henry could say was, wow. Chapter 29, Smashed and Crash. I wonder what Ian is is doing on these islands, Jay thought. He was with his two colleagues and an environmentalist whose names were Adam Morin, Michelle Morin, and Robert Van Owen. They were... They were sailed to an island, okay? They were sailed to an island in the... Kriabin. Kriabin. I think you meant Caribbean, but I a valiant effort. It was at morning. Adam and Michelle were, were kissing again. Oh, we're getting to the sexy part. Oh, my goodness. They were married for about a month. Robert was sleeping. They were right on course. It was foggy. Suddenly, the fog started adrift away. Jay saw an island. He decided to slow down, but... Oh, man, he said out loud. What? asked Adam. We can't slow down, but we turn the boat around, said Jay. He started turn boat around fast. Hmm, interesting. Missing a few words there. He started turn boat around fast, but it was too late. The boat flipped over and hit some rocks and bounced into a tree close to the water. Michelle fell out first, then Adam and Robert. They all fell on top of each other. Jay was lying on the ground unconscious. Unconscious is spelled in the cutest way that I could ever imagine. U-N-C-O-N-C-H-E-S-S, unconscious. That should be how it's really spelled, honestly. Robert got a big stick and threw it, Jay. Not at Jay, but threw it, Jay. It hit him in the head. Jay woke up. He rubbed his head and said, I want to go to the land. I want to go to the land, Dixie, dad, dad, da. And again... Mommy, I think this is supposed to be funny. I think this is a funny part. So we've had a sexy part, and now we have a funny part, okay? Okay, I'm going to start that part over. 
Uh, he rubbed his head and said, I want to go to the land of Dixie, da, 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 da. And again, mommy, let's do non-linear equations. Okay. He slept do on the ground again. Everybody laughed. Jay woke up and said, what's so funny? Nothing, chuckled Adam. I can feel like your little face curling up with glee for yourself, like self-satisfaction over your little funny moment. I can see it right in my head. Then they heard a creaking noise. The boat was about to fall. Move, shouted Adam. But it was too late. It fell on Michelle. She screamed. Oh, geez, Adam said. (laughs) That's what you say when a boat crushes your wife. Oh, geez, Adam said. Then they heard Michelle say, I'm okay. She was in the middle of the boat. Robert and Jay started lifting the boat just enough on her to get out. They started walking for about 30 minutes. Then they saw a dinosaur eating the insides of a woman. Oh, my gosh, Michelle said. Again, not quite the reaction I would have if I saw a dinosaur eating a woman. But, you know, Michelle's her own person. Then the dinosaur lifted its head and hissed at them. Then stuck his head in the body again. Let's go, said Robert, sick to his stomach. (laughs) Stomach with an E, stomach. They walked away. Then they heard a snarl. A dinosaur called a cyclops raptor started chasing them. Run, shouted Jay. They ran for a while, then Jay and Michelle climbed into a tree. The raptor ignored them, but still chased Robert and Adam. Man, this is riveting storytelling. I am on the edge of my seat. Robert jumped into a tree, but Adam was behind Robert, kept shouting, You can do it! Then Adam tripped on a rock. The raptor leaped on him and slashed his stomach and starts eating his insides. Oh my god! Oh my god, what the hell is going on with you? (laughs) Slashed his insides, oh my god. Robert, Michelle, and Jay watch in horror. Then the raptor started dragging the body away. But it stopped, then slurped Adam's intestines up like spaghetti. Oh my god. Imagine watching your husband get eaten in front of you. This is what you came up with. Then it dragged the body into the bushes. The last they was the hand. The last they was the hand. I'm not making that up. Then a finger twitched, but slant back down again. Come on, Jay said. Let's go. Sarah was walking the forest when she heard a crying sound. She pushed some bushes, and there was a young herd of... Corathorus lying on the ground, moaning in pain. Sarah quickly, quick, like Quickie Mark, K-W-I-C-K-Y, Quickie Mart, quickly ran to it and started comforting them. Comforting with an E. Comforting. Very cute. I appreciate you trying big words that you don't know how to spell. You know, I shouldn't even shame you for that. I think that's noble, actually. Comforting them. Then she got out the first aid. She put some medicine on the leg. Oh, some disinfectant. I'm sorry. Some disinfectant on the leg. That's that's advanced. And it's spelled right. And wait, maybe it's not. Disinfectant with an A or E? You put an E. I don't know. I don't know how to spell either. I spell on a 10-year-old le- level, apparently. Also, she put a bandage on it. Bandage. 
Then she heard a big blow. The Corathor cried. Then it jumped up and ran into the forest. For some reason, I really want this Corathoras to eat her. I wanted to eat her or maim her just because now I have bloodlust after that last chapter. Sarah walked away. She walked for a while. Then two, two Lysanops hopped out of the bushes and started growling at her. Oh, here we go, baby. Eat her up. Slice Sarah to bits. She ran. They started chasing her, but she couldn't run very fast because of her leg. She fell suddenly through a roof. Then she hit a board. Then after falling a little bit, she hit the ground. Sarah looked around. She was in a weapon shed, also with a dune buggy. <gasps> she saw a net launchers, shock prods, missile launchers, an assault rifle, bombs, and lots more weapons. She started grabbing weapons and then put them in a cage-type thing. Cage-type thing. That was an album in the 90s by Stone Double Pilots, I believe. Then busted the door open. She started driving out into the forest. <laughs> Chapter 30, Groups Ian woke up. He was dizzy from the crash. He started pushing the jeep up. He crawled out underneath the jeep. His arms hurt bad. He looked at this arm. It was all bloody, and he wiped it off. This is riveting. Then he ripped a piece of cloth off, then tied it around his arm tight. Have you ever read All Quiet on the Western Front? I had to read it in high school, and it reads very similarly to this. Very short sentences, and it's because it was translated from a different language. So perhaps young Stephen was speaking another language, and this was a translation. I don't know. It's just, it made me think of that. Okay. Then he started looking for Alan, Ellie, Tim, and Kelly. He couldn't find Tim and Kelly. He was sad. He cried for a little bit. Then started looking for Alan and Ellie. He found Alan all crumpled up in the corner next to the cheap. Alan was waking up. He said in a shaky voice, Mommy? No, it's me, Ian. Oh, Alan said. Come on, let's look for Ellie, said Ian. Don't worry, I'm right here, Ellie said. I don't know why I decided to make Ellie an old ghost. Ian and Grant spun around. There Ellie stood. Her her forehead. Okay, I thought I said foothead. Forehead is spelled F-O-O-R. Okay. Her forehead was almost covered with blood, a small piece of glass. She pulled it out and blood gushed out of her head. She quickly got out a bandage and put it on her head. Don't worry, I'm fine, Ellie said. Now I decided to make Ellie a little bit more sassy. Hammond and Henry. Oh, who the fuck are all these people? <laughs> Jesus. Hammond and Henry. I hope they're twins. Were stopped in the road because the foliage was moving around. That's an advanced word for you. Foliage. Spell wrong, but again, valiant effort. Go outside, Henry, and see what it is, said Hammond. Do I have to, said Henry. Yes, said Hammond. They sound very brotherly to me. And take a weapon, too. Henry got out a gun. Then he hopped out of the trailers and came close to the bushes. Still more leaves and bushes swayed. Now, see, this is what I'm talking about. That's a beautiful picture in my head. He fired a shot. He heard a woman's voice. Ow, who fired that? She came out of the bushes with two men. He recognized one of them. It was a mathematician named Michelle, who he just shot in the arm. Now we're back to Michelle. Okay. Watch where you're gone, said one of the men. Are you with Ian, Malcolm, and Nick Van Owen, asked the other man. 
Yes, said Henry. Well, I'm Jay, and this is Michelle. And Robert, he said, me and John Hammond are looking for him and his group right now. So just hope in the, hop in the trailer, and we'll be on our way. What a cliffhanger. Chapter 31. Josh and Nick. Great. More characters! More damn characters! Wonderful, Steven. Josh was sleeping when Nick Van Owen woke him. And I'm not making that up. W-O-O-K. Woke him. You were, is that the precursor to woke? Woke. Being woke. Uh, Nick Van Owen woke him up. Nick said, I'm going to find Hammond and the rest of the group. Are you coming? Sure, said Josh. We are going to the mountain that we camped before, said Nick. Why? Because we'll, because we'll probably see them where we get up high. Obviously. Obviously. They drove for a half an hour. Then they reached the top. They got out of the car. They were walking for a while when the smi- they smelled something horrible. <laughs> what is that stench, gagged Josh? I think this is my favorite sentence I've read yet. Oh, what is that stench, gagged Josh? That's, that's upper level. It's a nest, be careful, said Nick. Then, through info, direction changed. Then the wind, then the wind direction changed. That's better, said Josh. Then he heard crunch. Not a crunch, but crunch. He heard crunch. Josh looked at his foot. He had stepped on an egg. Oh, man, said Josh. They heard screeching. They looked up. A quasilocket sits. <laughs> Aquazalocatuses. Hold on, I'm gonna get it. Aquazalocatuses. That's that's what I'm gonna go with. Came swooping down before Josh had time to run. The Kuzala, the Kuzala grabbed Josh by the head and crushed it. <gasps> then flew in a cave, but Nick could still hear Josh's bones being snapped and torn apart. Nick threw up. Oh my God. Oh my god, the violence. Chapter 32, Helicopter. Matt woke up. He looked around. It's interesting that some of the sentences are run-ons and some of them aren't. Interesting. Matt woke up. He looked around. That's all one sentence. A couple big lizards with sails on their backs. Then he realized those were... Dimetrodons looked like it was eating something. He saw it eating a shoe. He realized it was the girl's shoe. He stood up. His head hurt, but he shouted, Hey, stupid, come here. Ooh, very taunting. It looked up, then started lumbering toward him. He got out a knife and jabbed it in its head. It didn't move. Then he started looking for Kelly and Tim, whoever the fuck they are. Jesus Christ. This is like watching Game of Thrones. There's so many damn characters. I don't know who anybody is. He found Kelly lying in the mud, almost covered up. <laughs> That's funny. She woke up. Daddy, she said. It's me, he said. 
She sat up and looked at her foot and said in a puzzled voice, Where's my shoe? Matt laughed and said, Let's go find Tim. Ah, that's funny. This is a funny situation. They found Tim in a pile of dino musk. Interesting. He woke up and said, Oh, man. Kelly and Matt laughed. Let's all have a funny laugh at this. People are being maimed and murdered and killed and squished. This is funny. Five minutes later, let's go find some way to get out of here, said Matt. They were walking forward. Ford. I think that's supposed to be forward, but it's forward like the car. They were walking forward while, while until they saw a big garage. Let's deck it out. Oh, got it. Let's deck it out, said Tim. He hit the door open. Inside, there was a helicopter. Not in bad shape. I wonder if it still works, said Kelly. Let's find out, said Tim. They climbed in. The key was there, and Matt turned it on. The rotors started. <gasps> he turned it off. Now we know it works, Matt said. <laughs> Go find a button in the garage that opens the roof, asked Tim to Kelly. She found the button, pressed it, and ran into the helicopter. After it opened, they flew away. Wow, they happen to be licensed pilots as well? Who knew? Because helicopters are not easy to fly, and they're very temperamental, and lots of people die in accidents because they're not easy to drive. But I guess these people, whoever they are, magically knew how to fly them. Anyway, that's enough of that. Um, but they were in the middle of the island, so they had a long way to go. Chapter 33. To gather, but not all. Sarah was riding on the buggy for an hour. She was tired, but she couldn't stop. She couldn't. Sarah started to doze off. Ian Ellie Allen walked into a... No, and. Ian Ellie Allen walked into a small path. Allen, again, no punctuation, was first he saw someone headlights. Take that one again. Ian Ellie Allen walked into a small path. Allen was first he saw some headlights. You power through like a little baby bulldozer. He saw it was a dune buggy with Sarah on it. I assume that's Alan. It wouldn't stop, but before he could move the buggy, hit him head on. He saw stars. The his eyes rolled in the back of his head and lost conscious. <laughs> Spelled C O N C H E S S like the shells. Alan's conscious flew into the road. Ellie screamed. The force was immanis. EMA and IS. But she saw it. She hit Alan Grant. He fell unconscious. Again, no conch shells to be had. She stopped and ran out. Sarah? Both Ian and Ellie said. But all she could say was, We got to help Alan. All that had happened to Alan was that he was unconscious. Let's go, said Sarah. So I guess they're just going to leave their wounded friend who's just been hit by a buggy. Yep, you're nodding. Yep, okay, bye. I hope the dinosaurs eat you. Suddenly, a huge trailer burst out of the buses. B-U-S-H-S. And now, to me, this says bus high school, a high school just for buses. 
because uh, there's a space between the bus and then the HS. A huge trailer bar burst out of the bus high school. Alan, wake up! And screamed! It halted to a stop. All the way to a stop. The door opened. Hammond came out. Hi, he said. Spelled like the marijuana way. Which I know you know how to say hi like hello, but you chose not to. Come in the trailers. Your friend are here. You mean Michelle, Adam, and Jay? Asked Ian. Actually, it's spelled bad, but I don't want to roast a child anymore. Actually, Adams was killed. Then they heard a noise. They looked up and saw a helicopter fly by. They started waving, but soon it was out of sight. Wait a minute. I saw Kelly and Tim in there, Ellie said. Let's go inside, said Hammond. Do you ever get out? Who can say? Okay, said Ian, inside. Hi, Ian, what new? <laughs> you write like Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> Hi, Ian, what new? asked Jay. Oh, nutting. Just being chased dinosaurs, nutting new. Sassy. I want to take that one one more time because it's so sassy. Oh, nutting. Just being chased by dinosaurs, nutting new, Ian said. Sassily. Everybody laughed. <laughs> then Henry said, that on the scope there is a boat parked by the beach. Everybody cheered. Well, let's go then, said Hammond, and the drove off. Now things look good for our heroes, but will they maintain or will there be a terrifying twist? We can only know when we hear. Chapter 34, Robert. Robert? You lent her to control the crane and missile launcher. <laughs> Robert Valentard. Robert Valentard. Volunteered to control the crane and missile launcher. I thought all of a sudden it was in second person. No? Okay. They were driving for a while when they heard roars. <gasps> Two T-Rexes came, but Robert didn't know that. The Rexes came from both sides of the trailer. Robert focused on his right. He was about to fire the missile when the Rex on the left grabbed Robert by the head and shook the body around, and the other started toward the body. I presume Robert's body. No other body has been mentioned in this chapter. In the trailers, Ellie, Ian, Grant, Michelle, and Jay watched in horror, H-O-R-R-E-R, -R -E as they fed on Robert. I assume the dinosaurs and not the aforementioned humans. They dinos seem to not like the taste of Robert, so they threw it at the trailer. <laughs> Robert slattered against the back of the trailer. Oh, God, this is so gory. Jesus Christ. So Robert's body is, like, torn to shreds and slapped up against the trailer. And what did all of his friends and compatriots do? Everybody started walking to the front of the trailer. <laughs> it was a while when they got back to their senses. Then Henry said, There is a boulder ahead of us, and we can't go into the forest, so we are going to stop. 
Now, I feel like for for young Stephen, this is actually an unusually sensitive uh, moment. Like, at least they walked away from the back of the trailer instead of immediately just moving on with their lives. So keep in mind that for the rest of this, uh, Robert's bloodied body is splattered against the uh, window in the back of the trailer. Ian, Michelle, and Ellie ran to the front of the trailer. Ian said... John, we have to stop. There's a boulder yard in front of. He never finished his sentence. The looked in front of them. A big boulder yard was only a few feet ahead of them. <laughs> I'm having a hard time picturing what a boulder yard is. So I guess it's like a big field of boulders or like a place where they sell boulders. Regardless, let's move, shouted John. He and Ellie were lucky, but Ian and Michelle weren't fast enough. The trailer hit head on, smashing the front of it to scrap metal. Pieces of glass and metal flew everywhere. When the trailer stopped, Ian and Michelle only suffered minor cuts. (laughs) So the, the entire trailer is scrap metal, but the people are fine. But Michelle had a small gash in her arm great vocabulary words in this one ellie and henry took the first aid kit and started patching ian and michelle up they had to find the boat quick because they don't want to die incredible cliffhanger ending there a quick glimpse into the minds of our heroes and then on to the next one chapter 35 boat they were walking for a while michelle was complaining my arm hurts oh quit complaining henry said the heard a rumbly noise (laughs) out of the trees a jean pulled up (laughs) nick van owen came out a jeep hey nick said it's been a long time sarah said so how you doing um nick your brother was here and he was killed sarah said I can tell you were from Southern California. Nick just stood there. Finally, he said, uh, your brother's dead too. She just stood there. Come on, let's go to the boat, John said. Okay, Nick and Sarah said. When they reached the beach, they were overjoyed. (laughs) Brothers forgotten carnage completely gotten over years of therapy skipped when they were in the boat they went along the beach for a while okay so they were sort of going up along the shore looking for who knows what suddenly they heard a large cracking noise they looked up a huge tree fell on the boat it fell on jay nick and michelle Michelle has survived so much and she deserves so much better than this. The boat fell in half. After everybody swam to shore, Jay broke his leg. Michelle broke her wrist and fingers and Nick broke his arm. Alan and Henry went back to the trailer and got a medical kit. Thank God they have all these dozens of medical kits. How are we going to get off the island now? Asked Nick after this incredibly convenient tree smashed our boat in half well oh my gosh Hammond said what everybody said 
There's a radio. We had it all along in the Jeep. Well, let's go get it then, Nick said. He and Hammond ran to the Jeep and made the call. When they came back, Nick said, they will come as soon as they can. That has an exclamation point on it, and I think it deserves a better line reading. They came back. Nick said, they will come as soon as they can. What do we do now, asked Ellie. One word sleep, said Nick, and laid down in the sand and slept. Chapter 36, Going. They woke up to the sound of helicopters. The group ran to the... the <laughs> to the manned, took off. Ran to the manned? Okay. Ran to the manned, took off. Alan was looking out the window when he saw claws and a big foot claw shaped like a sickle. <laughs> you knew what a sickle was? I don't think I knew what a sickle was until I was... Until now, when I'm so aware of uh, my imminent demise. Um, <laughs> hmm, I wonder, he thought. Nah, it couldn't be. He put his earphones on and listened the song, I Believe I Can Fly. I mean, that's an appropriate song to listen to if you're in a helicopter. He fell asleep. Typical. When he woke up, the helicopter was landing. Are we there yet? asked Alan. Ellie said, no, Alan, we just stopped in Costa Rica for more fuel. After a couple of minutes, they flew off. He took another nap. Chapter 37, Call. Kelly and Tim were, were at her house just sitting around when the phone rang. She answered it. Hello, she said. This is a helicopter pilot, he said. <laughs> Can you imagine getting that phone call? Yes, she said. Your father is alive and is his group, he said. How, she said. I don't know, but come to the helicopter station in Los Angeles, okay, he said. Okay, she said. She hung up the phone. So, Tim said. They're alive, she said. Where can we meet them, Tim asked. At the helicopter station in Los Angeles, Kelly said, annoyed. No, she wasn't annoyed. I added that. Well, let's go then, Tim said. They fight a lot, Kelly. That's what I'm getting from this context clues. They, they fight a lot. They locked the house up, got Tim's car, and left. The attention to detail here about who's going, where they're going, what they're getting in, and what they're doing is really, really nice. <laughs> Chapter 38. To gather. To gather? Together. Um, <laughs> when they reached the helicopter station, the helicopters was just landing. They all came out. I, Ian and Kelly hugged. I missed you so much, Daddy. I did too, honey, Ian said. Nick came up to Michelle and said... I'm sorry about your husband. Whoa. That's okay. But him, I were only married for a month. Oh, that's okay. But him and I were only married for a month, she said. <laughs> Cold. <laughs> I felt the same way, too, when my wife died, Nick said. 
They hugged. Jay sat there when the pilot of the helicopter came running to him. Dr. Bachin? Bachin? Bayan? Who knows? There's I call from your wife. Well, give me the phone, Jay said. Hello, he said. Honey, it's me. Where have you been? I missed you, she said. You wouldn't believe me if I told you, Jay said. We'll be home tonight at eight. I'm making dinner. Well, be home at eight. I'm making dinner tonight, she said. I can't, Jay said. Why, she asked. Because I have broken legs and going to the hospital to get a gash taken care of in my forehead. (laughs) You got to get that gash taken care of. I mean, (laughs) it's so weird that he didn't lead with, honey, I'm injured. I broke both my... He waited until she said, well, you better be home at eight for dinner. And then he was like, I can't. She said, why? And he said, because I've broken legs. And I got to get that gash taken care of. How did you get hurt? She asked, worried. You wouldn't believe me if I told you. He says that a lot. He said, well, okay, I love you. She said, gives up immediately. I love you too. Bye, Jay said. He hung up. I mean, is she going to meet him at the hospital? I hope so. Chapter 39, Rich. Well, Mr. Slavin Hugh, Hugh you pa- your, your papers are signed, said their lawyer. You sure the Clevens have no relatives? Positive, Matt said. Will you take the responsibility of owning the money and the mansion, the lawyer asked. Yes, Matt said. Well then, Matt Slavin Hugh, you now own all the Clevens, Clevens, $50 billion, he said. Matt grinned. Wild. Absolutely wild. I can't believe... Who would have thought 20 years later I'd have all these rad people reading my fan fiction? It's so ridiculous. But uh, I think I learned something over the course of this. Um, I don't know what I learned. But I feel like, you know, it was just such a fun to get a peek inside kid Stephen Brain. Maybe he needed help. Maybe he needed some drugs. I don't know. We'll never know. But um I mean, really, the through line is uh, I <laughs> I like to just fill in the details, spelling dinosaur name names right, but not spelling people people's name or you know not spelling regular words. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was this has been very cool. I'm I'm already sad to see that it's over um, as quickly as it began. But again, like Mary Holland said, you know, sometimes you just gotta let that go. And I really appreciate it. Not that I wouldn't like to write, um, you know, because I do write, um, I do write prose, and you know, we have the uh, Jurassic World Evolution of Claire novel coming out, written by Tess Sharp, and you know, there is that part of me that would love to write a story set in the Jurassic universe for realsies. Uh, Universal, if you're listening, I am available. 
Um, I've finished Nano Rimo four times, so clearly I know I can write, even though none of those books have been published yet. But um, yeah, uh, it it was so. It's again, it's it's funny to just see. I mean, I think that you know, in some ways, reading this fan fiction isn't instructive or anything because it's not necessarily anything interesting as far as like adding to the franchise. It's literally just these characters running into dinosaurs, people getting eaten. It's kind of like taking it's more fan fiction of the Crichton books really than anything else. And uh, I think as at some point was pointed out, uh, fan fiction for uh, fan fiction of my toys uh, that Ian Malcolm Hanglider, I think, was the big tell. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just it's just fun. And I hope you guys enjoyed the ride. It seemed like people enjoyed it. So I'm so glad that, um, yeah, that I got to do that. And I was inspired to do that. So um, again, thank you to all my uh, amazing guests who read uh, my fan fiction. And um, as I said up at the top, I am going to look at some of my other fan fiction, which, you know, again, I've said it a few times. It just doesn't have the same punch because it was written when I was a little bit older. And I feel like once it's written on the Internet, then it just feels it doesn't have the same spirit as the innocence of scribbling on a, you know, n- notebook where like all the pencils all faded and and stuff like that. But um in around 2000, 2001, uh, there was a Jurassic Park fan site called Dan's JP3 page, and that was kind of my first big hub into the Jurassic Park fandom. And I think a lot of people, um, I think a lot of people, is it was theirs too. It's very interesting because I, I don't think I know anybody off the top of my head who also went there. I mean, I feel like a lot of people did, but I'm, I don't, I'm not in direct contact with anyone who was literally commenting. Like I don't, because it was all very like old school internet with just like very basic text and no pictures or anything like, well, no pictures for like people's profiles. So it's like, and nobody's real names. My name on the boards was JP Exciter, by the way, uh, which was a Depeche Mode reference because when I was 13, I went to a Depeche Mode concert. So there you go. Um, But the fan fiction that I wrote post Hammond's Other Secret, uh, I really, the big ones were, I wanted to do a, basically what became Jurassic World. Uh, but in my head, it was an alternate universe. Like it was as if the park never, you know, as if Alan and Ellie and, and Malcolm visited the park and everything went fine and Nedry didn't shut things down. So like, that's a version where the park shuts down when people are there. So you know, similar um, situation as Jurassic World, but very different, um, uh, you know, very different kind of way it all plays out. I also really was obsessed with like protesters and stuff. So there's like protesters that wanted to shut down the park and, you know, more of the style of following around different people um, instead of, you know, having kind of like one main character. It was kind of following around a bunch of different characters, including people like Alan and Ellie, who are like are invited back to the first day kind of stuff. So that was one thing. I never finished that. Um, and then there was two other ones that were kind of my big focus. Well, there's three, but the any anyway, I'll just read this one because I, I think it's just kind of funny and it's short. Um, and I never really I think it was I think at the time, again, this was um Oh, wow. It actually does say when it was published. I'm on like an archive thing and I'll put a link in the in the notes. But 
Uh, it says it was published May 3rd, 2002 at 1.30 a.m. in the morning. I don't, that doesn't, anyway, but, um, so I'm not going to say the title of this because it's kind of a spoiler. And again, think of the era, 2002. And so this was like, almost like me writing a trailer fan fiction kind of thing. And it says, for many years, man has seeked to thrill themselves, scare themselves, and even stare death in the face. As we head into the new century, man's moral will continue to sour as we show the public more and more, pushing the limits of media and television. Even now, we have shows pushing the mind and body to reasonable limits, to unreasonable limits, but is still mind-bendingly disturbing to watch. It's only getting worse in the coming years. Then, in the year 2007, uh, in 2007, the government gave permission to a channel to continue a popular show in a way never seen. Our U.S. government has given permission to risk lives as as the the are going to be set down in what is perhaps one of the most dangerous places imaginable. As most people know, in 1993, a man named John Hammond John Hammond? A man named John Hammond started a genetics company called Engine. He created the impossible in a few short years. He brought back ancient beasts from the past. In his efforts to amaze and astound, he failed misery, but left a few things behind. Isla Sorna, also known as Site B, still contains the magnificent beast from 65 million years ago. So now today it stands quarantined from the public, but CBS will do what has never attempted. They will strand 16 people on this island infested with dinosaurs in hopes that one will survive to become the ultimate survivor. Previously, the contestants never truly risked death. Now most certainly someone will die and at the expense of good entertainment. So just wait, people. In a few months, we will see the struggle that they will go through to outwit, outlast, and outplay. Uh, I was obsessed with Survivor at least the first like handful of seasons it's crazy to me that it's still going now in 2018 but um, anyway I thought thought that was kind of stupid and dumb and I figured that was short that I could read it to you and um, you know I don't know it it seems I don't know I could see in in maybe not the way that the franchise is going but maybe you know, in the next franchise after Jurassic World, they do this. So um, probably be maybe Big Brother with, you know, the rat like with Blue living in a house with Stiggy and, uh, you know, Owen and, and Claire and we'll bring Lowry back and, you know, uh, and, and Vivian and it'll be hilarious. Um, and then the final bit of thing that I wanted to mention, I'm not going to read it because it's it's long, but I'll, maybe I'll give you a little taste. But um my big thing was wanting to and I think as a lot of people I think I'm not the only one uh, I'm certainly not the only one who wanted to consolidate the creation of uh both islands in the movie universe um you know how site B was made and it's funny because now a lot of this dinosaur protection group and a lot of the viral marketing for Fallen Kingdom is kind of attempting to do just that um you know because in the books you really got to see how John Hammond created Jurassic Park, whereas in the movies, it's been more of a, just a kind of a, a whimsy. Um, so yeah, so I basically made a prequel, or I started a prequel, I only did six chapters of it called, six chapters in a prologue, um, called Vision Creation Jurassic Park. Um, and I think it was like focusing on Wu and some other new characters. I think I created new characters so they could get killed. Um but yeah, I, I don't know if I'm going to read this. This is so crazy. Uh, maybe I'll read the, uh, well, I mean, I know like the opening chapter is, or the opening prologue is just, um, it's like, oh wow, it has a Stigam Mulligan in it. That's so funny. Um, 
it basically shows like the death of the dinosaurs. Like it kind of starts like 65 million years ago or whatever. Um, and then it's mostly a lot of kind of just copying of, you know, Jurassic Park, except involving new characters, uh, a Cassandra Ross and a Jerry Harding. And it's kind of like a seven samurai uh, putting together the team kind of thing. Um, and oh, yeah, Ray Arnold, new hired computer programmer, Dennis Nedry. Um, let's see. Yeah, again, it's this very fan fiction of like getting our favorite dinosaurs, getting our favorite characters and kind of mixing them up, like putting, you know, uh, Nedry and Arnold and Muldoon on uh, site B and um, stuff like that. There's a Dr. McKay. That's pretty funny. Um, and let's see. Uh, you know, I'll read the, let's see, let's read the, you know what? Let's do this. I'll read this last chapter because I think it's kind of fun or the last part of the last chapter. So chapter six was called Hidden. And basically I also brought back Ed Regis into the film world. Um, personally, I could care less about dinosaurs. Uh, and so I think this is like a secret lab. I think this is the lab in Jurassic Park 3 that, the, that this takes place at. And so you have some new characters like Mr. Nordby. And Lizzie, Dr. Lizzie McKay. Um, oh, Nick Nordby. Um, and then, yeah, Henry Wu. So, uh, okay, here we go. So I think Ed Regis was knocked out by something, maybe a dinosaur. Um, what, should do, what should we do with him, asked Dr. Lizzie McKay. Ed Regis woke up on the floor uh, of the hidden building surrounded by Nick Nordby, Dr. Henry Wu, and Dr. Lizzie McKay. A shotgun barrel was in his face as he opened his eyes. Holy shit, he scrambled on the floor, afraid for his life. By the way, this was written when I was, again, like 14, 15. Um, uh, <laughs> he said, holy shit, as he scrambled on the floor. Uh, relax, you, wow, relax, you pussy, said Nordby. Jesus Christ, Stephen. Uh God, was this in my Limp Biscuit days? Um, he lifted Ed Regis to his feet. Uh, we're not going to kill you, Mr. Norby. Sometime, Miss, oh, we're not going to kill you. Mr. Norby sometimes gets a little carried away, said Dr. Wu. Fine, then what the hell is this place, asked Regis, as he found his, oh, so like it's like Dr. Wu is like making, a, it's like a secret lab. Uh, fine, then what the hell is this place, asked Regis, as he found his bearings and looked around. He was inside a large laboratory with giant test tubes that you could put animals in and what looked like dozens of hatcheries. About 10 of their scientists walked around studying creatures inside some of the tubes and looking at eggs, as scientists do. Um, it's a lab, if you haven't already guessed, remarked Dr. McKay. Don't you have other labs where you breed dinosaurs, questioned Regis, still rubbing the back of his head from the clubbing? Yes, but Hammond doesn't want to do what want to do what goes on here, what true scientists are supposed to do. Oh man, is this me like explaining hybrids back in the day? Um or, you know, uh the Spinosaurus. Uh we will show you around since you won't be leaving soon, said Nordby. <laughs> they all headed around uh towards the sound of creatures toward the cages. Ed Regis walked with the scientists with an uneasy feeling about what he was going to see. They passed a few vending machines, recognized how hungry he was. He stopped and pulled out his wallet. Don't worry, don't worry about paying if you're hungry, commented Dr. McKay. She walked over to the vending machines and, and opened it, pulling out a few snacks and gave it to Ed Regis. No chump in his right mind would pay for vending machines. Is that? I think that's foreshadowing to Jurassic Park 3. Uh, thanks, Regis, uh, said Regis as he continued walking down the corridor. 
The group arrived at a large steel gate and Nordby opened it. Inside was a few scientists studying dinosaurs in a hallway of cages. I have to check with Dr. Matthews before we show you anything, announced Dr. Wu. They continued down the warm and humid passageway. They arrived at a steel cage near the end of the corridor. Inside the cage were a small carnivorous dinosaur and two scientists heading out the steel mesh door. Dr. Wu, exclaimed Dr. Matthews, I have some good news for my recent studies. The other scientists stood next to him flipping notes. The velociraptors are smarter than we thought. They're much more intelligent than, the stu- than stupid vicious killers. Why, this morning, Dr. Matthews was cut off and Ed Regis saw why. The velociraptor in the cage had slashed his back and then he fell to the ground, eyes rolling in the back of his head. Everybody stepped back. What the hell, screamed Dr. McKay as she backed up. I guess she continued backing up. The other scientists turned and run in fear when a creature with a long tail, killer claws on its feet, and bipedal jumped in front of them, snarling, ready to pounce. He fell to the ground, too frightened to move. She fell to the ground? And the Velociraptor—oh, who is that talking about? Um, and the Velociraptor stepped over him and simply opened the other raptor cage by turning the knob and opened—it's the Indoraptor. Uh, they both growled and killed the trembling scientists on the floor. Jesus— Nick Nordby, getting back to his senses, shouted, run! He cocked a shotgun, and as he ran, he fired a shot, hitting the smaller raptor. The bigger one started making strange calls, but Nordby didn't stay behind to see what would happen. Ed Reed just ran as fast as he could. The other scientists saw and ran as well. He, he, including the others, spilled out into the main laboratory, shouting warnings to any scientists in the area. He turned around only for a moment to discover 12 raptors coming from other parts of the laboratory, growling, calling, and attacking scientists all around him. Nick Nordby fired more shots, nailing two raptors. Raptors, but he was but he was running out of ammo and he ran still dodging hatchery tables and jumping over fallen scientists he saw the stairs and knew that he was almost out of the building but felt a huge heavy weight hit him and he went down his shotgun flying it hit the ground shooting off hitting a scientist damn uh, darkness was closing in on nick nordby he could only think of those damn dinosaur bastards now he wished he was back hunting poachers in africa whoa my voice got really deep right there Dr. Lizzie McKay saw Nordby go down and continued to run, seeing Velociraptors take down people around her. Not realizing it, she turned and entered the cafeteria by herself and stopped. Looking around, she saw nothing. Shit, that was close, sighing a relief. Uh, a shadow, a show? A shadow loomed behind her. She turned and screamed. Ed Regis scrambled up the stairs, running from the raptors, desperately trying to get away. He felt someone hit him, and he turned his head and saw a panicked scientist trying to clamber over him. He pushed the scientist, and, and he screamed as he fell back down the stairs. Turning back to the door, a raptor was right in front of him. He stood shocked, trembling, and sweat dripping down his forehead. He could feel the raptor's hot, putrid breath. The raptor rammed him and tumbled down the stairs and was knocked out before the raptor got to him. Dr. Wu never looked back. He ran to the empty Jeep and raced back to the labs far away from his mistake, his best intentions, his secret. Wow. Oh, my God. Wow. High school Steven. Or pre-high school Steven, I guess. When was this? Well, I don't think this was originally published in 2002, actually, now that I think about this. Because, well, I definitely think this came out after Jurassic Park three, but I see at the top of it, I said I reposted mentioning that I reposted this. So I must have been like posting these chapters like one. Oh, I know what it was. I was posting these chapters one at a time. And then I think this is like a repost of what I'd written so far. Um, wow. Well, uh, I hope that got some of your uh, for some listeners who wanted to hear some more of my fan fiction um, and my silliness. Um but uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is it for Fan Fiction Friday. I, you know, it'll be interesting. I'm, you know, as we close in on the end of season one of the podcast, 
uh, it'll be interesting to see what I it'd be interesting to see what to figure out what to do for season two. And if anybody has any ideas of other types of fan fiction, or maybe we do like a group fan fiction project or like some sort of fan fiction generator thing, or if you have childhood fan fiction, uh, from when you were a kid, um, again, putting the call out there, if anybody had uh, childhood Jurassic Park fan fiction, it would be fun to, you know, it'd be fun to read that as well too. Um, put somebody else in the hot seat for once. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just have to thank you, the listener, so much for 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 indulging me in this. And again, thank you to Ali Ward, Simone Nathan, Luce Tomlin Brenner, Omar Najam, Christine Lakin, Stephanie Cook, Jackie Johnson, Caitlin Hempstead, and Mary Holland uh, for reading all the previous chapters. And yeah, they're doing amazing things. Go look in the show notes. You can see where to find them. Follow them on Twitter, Instagram. Go see their shows. Go read their writing. Go do their things. They're amazing. They're all great. And I love them very much. Um, You can always call to leave your Jurassic stories, again, fanfiction or otherwise, at 323-688-6969. Or send me an email at cjurassicwrite at gmail.com. Follow along with the show at sjrpod. On Twitter, Instagram, cjurassicwrite. Facebook, cjurassicwrite. Twitter, at Stephen Ray Morris. Um, Donate to the Patreon, patreon.com slash cjurassicwrite. Thank you to Caitlin Thompson and Tim Ruggery, Molly McLear, Heather Mason, Stephanie Cook, Sarah Iyer, and you. See Jurassic Ride is an ACAST podcast. Check out the show on their mobile app. And thank you for listening. delightful what a if i had a time machine i would i would go back and take you out for ice cream and pat you on the head and say good job steven ray morris flexibility is great that's why there's yoga flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too that's why there's united healthcare insurance plans Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.